Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is Is This Song Good Episode 86. Nirvana, you know you're right. Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. In today's episode, we are continuing our Is This Song Good series. Uh, this time we are around, we are doing songs that were posthumously released. Did I say it right that time, Dan? I don't think so. No? That's okay. They know what you mean. All right. This time around, we're going to do a song that Dan picked. Uh, it's the song by Nirvana called You Know You're Right. So why don't you tell us why you picked that song? Well, I remember driving into school when I, uh, when I heard this song, and I think it must have been 2002 based on when it was released. And uh, you know how often you start getting bits and bobs from dead artists because someone's trying to make some money off of it, or it's the leftovers that existed and they weren't that great. So when the uh, the guy, the DJ was like, hey, this is the new Nirvana song. It's the last Nirvana song because, you know, it was the last one recorded. I was like, eh, okay, well, let's see. And then I, uh, I really liked it. I really liked it the first time I heard it. And I was really impressed. I was like, this is actually like a really good Nirvana song. You know, it's, it's up there. And I was really impressed. I thought it was, it sounded slightly like maybe like there was slight progress sort of in the, what they were trying to do sonically, but it really sounded an awful lot like in utero. Yeah. It could have definitely come right off of in utero. Yeah. And it was probably written around that time. Um, mm-hmm. I think they were touring for in utero when um, they they sat down and recorded it, if you believe Wikipedia. And I was just like uh, very impressed. It's it's catchy, but it's also dissonant and, you know, punches you right in the face. It has a really sort of, you know, knowing what what what, what happened not two or three months later. Right. Uh, it's it's somewhat haunting, you know, with the voice breaks and the and the you know, screaming of, of pain, you know, and then the in the chorus. And I just think it's a really, really good song. And it can stand up with almost, you know, almost any Nirvana song as far as quality. So it's one of the first songs that popped in my head when we uh, when we were talking about this this uh, theme for for the podcast. So Dave, why don't you tell me what uh, if you heard it before and what your thoughts were? Yeah, no, I definitely had heard it before. There's no no doubt about that. I think it got a decent amount of airplay um, right when it came out because I think it was released with a compilation al- uh, album, Greatest Hits or something. Yeah, a big box set. Or something like that. And I didn't really pay much attention to it then. I kind of felt like it was, I don't know, maybe I was just being cynical, but it kind of felt like a a money grab thing. And this is also when music just kind of started to disappear for me. Like I lost touch of music in the early 2000s. So I didn't pay much attention to it for whatever reason. It was mostly just listening to, you know, CDs in my car or whatever, rather than the radio. But coming back to it now, man, it is, I, I wish I'd have paid more attention because it is a good song. It definitely has that, uh, that raw emotion that Cobain is known for. And it just, it's so powerful. Like he, he doesn't have the best singing voice as far as accuracy of notes and all that stuff. But boy, he sure has the emotion aspect down of it. And you can feel the torment that he's going through as, as he sings. And it's, it's phenomenal. It was it was nice to get back into a semi semi new again uh, song from Nirvana because they're they're one of my all time favorites. 
Uh, Zach, what did you think of this one? I'm in the same boat as you where I remember listening to it around the same the time that it came out, but I don't think I was ready for it at that time. Exactly. It was just one of those things where whether I thought it was a money grab or just wasn't really all that into Nirvana at the time, uh, I listened to it and just kind of forgot about it. But coming back to it this time around... It feels both new and old. You know what I. You know what I mean. I, I knew. Yeah. It's got that. It's got that feel like it. Like it's something kind of brand new, but it also has that old, that old timey Nirvana sound to it. And it sounds as polished as every other Nirvana song, which is one of the things I always loved about them is that they didn't really care that much about trying to make their recorded studio albums sound perfect. Uh, like there was, there were quotes by Butch Vig where he he would say that Kurt was really difficult to work with because he would just he would do a vocal take and he'd be like that's it it's good done and he'd go on and go to do something else and Butch would be like uh no that's not that's not done <laughs> we need to we need to do that a couple more times <laughs> cuz he missed note he missed notes a lot you know yeah he didn't have that uh smooth uh like like Steven Tyler voice where you know every note was going to be perfect yeah except the ones that he deliberately didn't want to be perfect. It was just raw emotion. That's what made Cobain so great. Yeah, and I think that's that really that that speaks to the heart of his not only his style but his his star, songwriting sensibility is that he was more about the emotion and the moment and he was not about trying to like, you know, exacto knife this kind of perfect thing. Right. And even with this, uh, I, I I really like it. I like how it's got that sort of like plinky, you know, playing playing the guitar strings up above, up above the uh, what is it the the nut at the top. The nut, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so it, you know he was just probably like noodling around with that, but it sounded it sounded good. It, it was rhythmic. It, it fit with the rest of the song. So they just cut it and put it put it in at the beginning and put it at the end. Nice little bookends there. And then I really love how the palm muting of the guitar interacts with the the bass mm-hmm. during the verse. It's so so good. And, and and like you guys were saying, just the just the emotion of the you know the screaming and the you know you're right, you know you're right. It works so well together. Uh, it all is just this this nice little package of of a dang. I wish we had more <laughs> Nirvana. I know. Oh my god. Yeah. I wish that they 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 could have been able to continue on in some capacity but at the end of the day you know maybe he realized that he didn't have anything else to say and and he just wanted to kind of go away yeah and i wish it didn't have to be that way but right you know sometimes that's what people think but can you imagine you know cobain was already at at the peak of his songwriting and then dave grohl was just just coming up and and becoming a songwriter himself, you know, as displayed with the Foo Fighters over the last twenty five years, yeah. and then the two of them really getting together and and just writing incredible, incredible music wouldn't that have been something? That that would have that would have been amazing if if it would have gone that way. I, I don't yeah. know that it yeah. would have because I, I kind of got the sense that Chris Novoselic and and Dave Grohl were kind of doing their rhythm thing, and Kurt was just kind of like the the leader of the of the songwriting and the lyrics and the and the melodies. And I don't know if he would have let that let that go. Yeah, it's just it's just the way people are sometimes. Yeah, and so I mean, I agree. It could have gone that way, or they could have just gone their separate ways at a certain point. 
And I, I could totally see like a, a Bruce Springsteen-esque folk chapter from Kurt Cobain later. <laughs> I mean, he had the yeah. voice for it, as we saw in the Unplugged session. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. But uh, yeah, and I think... You know, if you if you uh, take Wikipedia's word for it, that the main vocal was one take on "You Know You're Right" to you know to sort of support what you were getting that day with the sort of get in there, get it, and be like, it's not perfect. That's fine. I don't want it to be perfect. I think he was very distrustful of perfect. They didn't always have lots of great things to say about the production on Nevermind because it was a little more polished than they were. They at least he was comfortable with. But right, yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, revisiting this more carefully. For, for this uh for this podcast yeah so good all right you guys have anything else for this one no no uh what do we uh what do we got coming up next week we got uh jimmy hendrix with a song called dolly dagger and it's it, it was on different compilation uh quote unquote posthumously released albums uh i think rainbow bridge is where it first showed up but then there's there's another one so we'll we'll get into that when we uh, when we actually chat about this song. Are you saying there's more than one Jimi Hendrix posthumous release? I'm I'm saying you can hear it multiple ways, <laughs> every which way but loose. Yep. All right. Well, tell us what you guys think in the comment section. Is this uh, Nirvana song good? Does it live up to the scrutiny of the Nirvana name? Uh, like and subscribe if you do that kind of thing. If you want more content like this, you can find everything we've done at 64tacos.com. And if you really liked it, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash 64tacos and you can buy us a taco. Thank you for listening. I caught it on audio. (laughs) 